Welcome to Spinning Out. I'm your host, Josh Robbins. This is a podcast where we talk to artists about their favorite albums. Today, we're talking with Eric Garlington of the band Proper. We talked about Kanye West's 2005 album, Late Registration. We also talk about Kanye's influence on music as a whole and direct influence on Eric's songwriting, as well as discussions of Kanye then and now as a public figure. Proper released their most recent album, The Great American Novel, on March 25th, 2022 on Father Daughter Records. Check that out wherever you get music. Please check out our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash spinningoutpod. My co-host Sarah and I talk about records we liked a lot when we were younger and revisit them as much older and jaded individuals. Subscribe for as little as $1 a month and get an exclusive episode every week. Really helps a lot if you would subscribe to the Patreon and exclusive content. Who doesn't want that? Okay, no delays. I had a great chat with Eric, so let's go to that now. Hey, Eric, how's it going? Going pretty well. Uh, just got back from a five-week tour in Europe and trying to get my sleep schedule aligned. So very tired, but also with it because of mainly coffee. Really? Like you just got back, right? Like four days ago? Like within this last week, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I can't imagine kind of like adjusting back. Uh, mm-hmm. I've been overseas and I've been to like Japan and I recently went to Finland. and. Nice. But it's like when I come back, it's just kind of like it wasn't tour usually with mm-hmm. this stuff. Um, so I can't really like imagine like going from like tour schedule Europe into like kind of normal life yeah. back into it. Uh, all that to say, once when I toured the West Coast, I felt like when I hit L.A., mm-hmm. I didn't I never really thought about jet lag in that way. But there was a point where I was like driving down like. <laughs> Like the strip. Like yeah, yeah. We were doing all these LA things. Of course. And the tiredness hit me in a way that like, <laughs> it's just my eyes just started like closing and I was like, oh no. Yeah. Like, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I'm, what I'm saying is I understand yeah. how you may feel right now. It's it's, so, it's different in a weird way. Yeah. But all that to say, uh, so we are talking about Kanye West's album, Late Registration, that came out in 2005. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, August 30th, 2005. And that came out on Def Jam Records, uh, Rockefeller Records, mm-hmm. and it has been certified quadruple platinum. Yes. As of, I mean, didn't take that long to get there. No, it did not. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All of that to say, like, this is a huge record. Yeah. And what I'll ask is, when was the first time you listened to Kanye West or this record? Oh, God. Like, since the beginning. I remember when his, the day his first album came out. Like, since day one, Through the Wire to like the music video came on back when MTV showed music videos, not to sound, mm-hmm. not to age myself, but I was yeah. just like, wow, this is really good. And then also like doubly heightened because when uh, his first record came out, I was living in Alaska. So there already weren't many black kids. There already weren't many non-military brat kids that had like a personality <laughs> outside of mm-hmm. being a military brat. So it just kind of like shifted everything for me. So like since day one, I've been a Kanye fan for better and for worse. But um, yeah. when that record came out, I think I had just moved to Mississippi because, uh, yeah, I've been in Mississippi for a few months, maybe a year. And the second record came out. I remember listening to it while I was washing dishes at this restaurant. And I was just like, damn, this might be like 
even better than the first one, which I thought was impossible. So David memories all, all throughout early Kanye to now. I was trying to like trace back thinking about it. Like, I feel like I remember uh, <clears throat> college dropout coming out mm-hmm. and like how much of a seismic shift that was like in, you know, rap music or just music in general, yeah. you know, and also kind of like thinking back because with the research I did to it, almost thinking of Kanye now and mm-hmm. I, I I feel like I want to get there so kind of this will be a foreshadowing thing, okay. potentially <laughs> okay. you know but like thinking about so I was watching a kind of short documentary of the making of this record and mm-hmm. it reminded me about the uh you know Kanye West with uh Mike Myers the bit like mm-hmm. you know George Bush doesn't care about black people yeah yeah you know saying yeah yeah, and uh, just also putting that in that context, that being that this was the record that he put out after that, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah, and also just like you said, wow, like 2005, thinking <laughs> of how much of my life has, like Kanye West has been a character. In yeah. That, you know. Yeah. Uh, so what do you feel like you were listening to before Kanye West, like before this record came out? Oh, well. So... Or the first one it's like a weird thing being uh, a black kid that plays guitar, but also you're like in a military family. So I kind of had like, I had the, uh, on Sunday mornings, I'd watch the BET gospel series and watch all this praise and worship shit. Even though I'm atheist as fuck, I would watch all that stuff. I'd go to church, see all the gospel singers play. Then like I'd practice guitar and it would be like at the drive-in, um, Cody and Cambria, uh, Megadeth, like whatever, like I could find on on um, LimeWire again, aging myself. Um, but I, I still did listen to a lot of R and B, uh, rap and hip hop and stuff like that. I just never felt like I had a place in it until Kanye, which is like sort of like nerdy to say. But you know, like, I remember being a kid and my white friends would like burn CDs and they like make a list of songs you want, and I would be like too ashamed to put a DMX song on it because that it just didn't, it wasn't me. And, you know, when you're like 10, 11, 12, you just think, oh, I don't, you know, I don't know anything about Rough Riders and street shit. I'm a military kid in Alaska. Like, I don't, this is, I'm not allowed to like this. So I've listened to rap and hip hop and R&B and stuff, but like in the car with my parents or like in secret, I guess, on YouTube and, and LimeWire. But it was predominantly a lot of like rock music at that time, especially I just picked up guitar at 12 years old. So I've probably been playing for like one or two years. So a lot of rock oriented stuff at the time with some secret R&B and rap sprinkled in. Yeah, and wh- what <clears throat> type of music do you feel like your parents were listening to? Uh, they're, they're pretty like run-of-the-mill average Southern Baptist black parents born in the 70s and 60s. So just a lot of a lot of R&B, um, Quiet Storm, a lot of like the hits like, you know, Rita Franklin, Anita Baker, all that stuff that, that, that Southern black parents just listen to. Um, my dad being from Florida, did like some rap so he kind of whatever was coming out he liked it but he would you know he showed me uh easy easy and bone thugs and harmony and and biggie smalls and all the stuff that i probably shouldn't have been listening to but uh all of like the the normal rap things you're supposed to like you know so nothing like like deltron uh delta funky Homie sapien or anything but like you know tupac biggie all the all the the hits yeah a lot of that type of rap i didn't really even get i feel like you couldn't get it anywhere unless you like watched a skate video yeah or, like or tsunami yeah <laughs> skate yeah, videos which, tsunami tony hawk all that stuff yeah there i mean there was like a point i feel like being 
you know, into like skateboarding and like BMX and stuff, it was like kind of, I have, maybe I'm also aging myself, mm-hmm. you know, there's a point where it's like, I don't feel like I remember stuff like Toonami existing. So yeah. it was like, oh, sorry, adult someone swim. had, adult to, swim. My yeah. bad. <laughs> you know, it's like, I feel like someone had to have a tape. Like there yeah. was even a point with like, you know, I've talked to people about like, I don't know where you would have gotten like anime as mm-hmm. a kid. Like I, I don't know how I would have gotten it outside of like a friend having a tape. Really? Yeah. Okay. Do you remember Toonami and, and uh, cause I said I Toonami, do, but, but that I feels like, swim, but Toonami definitely yeah. was a gateway for me as like a seven year old. Okay. Yeah. Cause it's then <clears throat> Toonami was like, I feel like there, then there was like a period from being like, uh, I don't know, like, let's say 12 years old, where there was almost like a gap between, like, things like, it was skate videos, Mm -hmm. and then things like, kind of, like, mainstream culture, in a way, started, like, taking these things on, like, it was a little easier for me to get than, like, you know, things like Cartoon Network started showing, Oh yeah. uh, you know, anime-type stuff later Mm -hmm. on at night, I remember a point being, like, you know, Eon Flux would start playing, like, late nights at, like, MTV, MTV, and yeah. yeah. Yeah, but before that, we're, like, kind of the dark ages. Yeah, yeah, before, yeah. You know, it was just, like, your friend has... So so it was kind of hard to kind of get into. Yeah, for sure. And I also feel like maybe, like you were saying, most of my friends were into rock, yeah. so you just kind of end up going where your friends go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I think you kind of said that a lot. Like, I guess, like... You didn't feel so. Were you saying that you don't feel you didn't feel comfortable like telling them that you wanted a DMX song? Was that something you felt like you listened to on your own, or yeah? What was your relationship with that? It was just like because I knew, like my whole life, all like I, my white friends would be like, "You, you're not really black. You talk white. How are both your parents black? That can't be true." So at the time, I'd be like, "Oh yeah, I'd love this DMX song." Like you, you, you're not black. So like I just kind of developed a singer. I just wasn't comfortable talking about my love for rap and hip hop. And it was a lot easier to just go with what, what my friends liked, which was, I came up with all the skaters too. So my older brother was a skateboarder. And so then that got him, got him into buying the Tony Hawk games, which got me into playing them and tagging along with him and learning all these like alternative rock songs from like Tony Hawk or, or Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, just all of those like Nintendo games that had really great soundtracks. But there was never a point where like, I felt comfortable with rap until like Kanye and I was just like, that's me. Like that's, yeah. he gets me and uh, there's still like an uphill battle. Cause you know, when you're young and people like hear this thing, like Kanye, it's just like, Oh, he's just sampling stuff. He's not, you know, my musician friends, like he's not writing songs. He's just sampling. And then it was like, okay, well, like he's a good lyricist, but all he's talking about is bragging about himself, which is like not inherently untrue on his first records. And it, there was always like some little moving up the goalpost moment where I just was never that comfortable and I don't remember when I got out of that where I was just like, fuck it. I like what I like. It doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, that whole conversation about uh, sampling being, it's, I don't know, it's just dumb. Like, I yeah. wish I had, like, a better way to uh, articulate it. Yeah. You know, but, like, it's so stupid. Like, it's like. It's dumb as hell. Like, hip-hop has been doing that since its infancy. And mm-hmm. at this point, like, we're talking about a genre that has existed since easily i mean you could say like the late 70s but let's say mm-hmm. early 80s yeah yeah. you know like talking about electro and like breakdancing mm-hmm. and stuff like yeah it's like when i <laughs> this this seems not related but like my grandmother who's like in her mid 80s she'll mm-hmm. be like oh have you had sushi and i'm like at this point <laughs> 
you know, I feel like it's like it's at least been a thing since the nineties. Or yeah. like when you meet somebody who's forty and it's like, I can't really use computers. Yeah. And you're like, there's no excuse. Yeah, not there's at all. no ex at this point with like rap music, there's no excuse why this is like a thing that confounds you. Yeah. You know? It's to to anyone I don't think anyone listening to this probably has that feeling. Yeah. Know, I hope not. God damn. having those conversations are just like so like very old hat. Yeah. And know? it's really so I'm 31, my little brother's 22, 23, and it's really like night and day with how much eight years makes a difference because he's just like, yeah, we don't have clicks. I thought that was a thing from the movies. Like, I like this, but I also listen to System of Down, and I also listen to JPEG Mafia, and it's just like, it's so crazy that that weird random time where we were at the tail end of clicks, and you wear this, so you have to like this type mentality, and then at the advent of Kanye, literally changing the game about eight times over in a decade, um, for me, the, the change shifted for my white friends after uh, Yeezus. And then there was like pre-Yeezus Kanye and post-Yeezus Kanye. And then it was especially when Lou Reed said that he cried to Yeezus, all of my white friends were just like, Kanye's a visionary, man. And Yeezus is one of his most like, dit, like dense, deft, like not very lyrically good records. And it's just yeah. like the way that they would just like turn heel because they're idle gave it the praise really like shifted for me like i don't have to care what these people think like it really doesn't matter as long as i like it and i and i've been kind of since day one and i'm not gonna let lou reed's opinion make me doubt my own then what does it matter yeah do you feel mm -hmm. like there is there a point in his catalog or do you use will you co-sign on all of it or do you feel like there's a point where it's like this isn't as good or you know how how do oh, you yeah. view that because even like i i tell that to like friends that even like weezer mm -hmm. like i have a friend that's like no it's all good and yeah I'm like, i don't know i don't know about that yeah i don't i wouldn't i don't think i could honestly know with kanye because yeah. I, this was really outside of the hits on this record mm -hmm. this was like the first time i've ever sat down gotcha, gotcha, for some gotcha. reason it was like i was like I liked College Dropout and then just didn't listen to anything else. Oh, I don't wow. know what that was. You yeah. Know? Like, I think it was just the idea that it was like, I was punk. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, you know, and I've been asking myself that. And it's like a hard thing to admit to. Yeah. But I definitely is, have some artists you know? that I'm like that about. But you know, no, I'm definitely, a, as much as Kanye is my idol, I'm still, I think, his biggest critic in my circle of friends uh he has like one bad album and then a few okay albums but he's still like whenever he announces a record i still get that same giddy like anticipation but it definitely i don't know because there's so such different eras like they usually uh all the fans on the subreddits break it into the college trilogy uh the experimental era which would be 808s my beautiful dark twist of fantasy and Jesus, and then his current era which is life of pablo uh yeah ye or yay however you pronounce it yeah yay and then jesus is king which is terrible and then donda is like the new era that we're in with donda and donda too uh but he's starting to return to form if he can just like stop complaining about being a billionaire and and his his divorce that was totally his own fault it's, it's really well, weird yeah. <laughs> well what's interesting about that and i i almost like okay so it's it's like how do we want to structure this this conversation? It's mm -hmm. like do we get into the criticisms of Kanye West or do we do we try and like 
Maybe, should we stay? Okay, let's stay on the positive. Okay, okay. Kanye West because okay. because because uh, <laughs> I have notes about. All right, so let's stay on positive. Okay, Kanye West. we'll get there. All we'll right, get to the shit yeah. talking. Yeah, and that's kind of more. Yeah, that's more with me because I'm like I could do it a lot, but I want to give them like I want to like this record's amazing. You know, oh, I'm yes. saying that off the top. There's like anyone that's listened to a few episodes of Spinning Out. John Bryan has been a name that keeps coming up in so many of his stuff. And also this weirdly references like other episodes that, that I've done. Mm -hmm. So for instance, like how much of an impact like Portishead had on this record. And Mm -hmm. that was one of the episodes we did. And also we did a Fiona Apple episode uh, that John Bryan had a big hand in. Mm -hmm. So, and also we did a jellyfish episode and John Bryan played in that band yeah. around the time of that. So just kind of like how big of a presence he has been mm-hmm. throughout even this series and just honestly over music as a whole. Yeah. Uh, but to say that, not to like diminish anything Kanye West brought to this, but he's an interesting figure Yeah. throughout all of this. But I think that he's somebody, John Bryan acted almost as somebody to just tell Kanye to like, go with all of his ideas. That's what it yeah. feels like. Like, don't shoot anything down. Don't feel like something has to be like, this is, you know, rap. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like exp- expound on an idea. And they talked about like, we can kind of go anywhere musically, just turn the drums up. Is one of the quotes he had in like a documentary. So nice. it's like, <laughs> we can do anything. Musically, yeah. You know? So, so yeah. So starting with that, I guess like, where where do you feel what did you feel when you listened to this for the first time or did you kind of break it down? I guess you probably just kind of heard it on like the radio or heard it on uh did you kind of start breaking it down to like what were the influences or how did you yeah. take it in? Yeah, so for me like lore is like really important to me like in the cohesive story. So I whenever I listen to a new record, I always listen to my headphones and reading the lyrics as it's as it's playing obviously 15 years ago that wasn't really a thing so uh i would just like put on at work at during a dead period so i could really like focus in and listen and i remember as it was playing i was like man this is really like fleshed out like i can tell these are real strings and this is like a real choir and like again because of, he brought john bryan to the studio and helped him like do more and more orchestral parts like he even did a late registration orchestral live concert i'm pretty sure that's on spotify too and it's just um just the grandiosity of of the whole record was my first thought like lyrically it's still there i was just like okay he didn't disappoint lyrically but some of the beats like i think it was the first time i ever heard something i was like i've never heard a beat like this before or just a song like this before so many times in quick succession and like the feature placement and the use of skits and all like you know i hear the skits on like I don't know, NWA record, but I was one when that came out, you know? So yeah. I like to hear it in real time and see how like he built a narrative with the help of John Bryan, obviously that was one cohesive thought and everything that I thought was perfect on college dropout got even more perfected. So it was like my very first instance of like, oh, wow, you can perfect perfection. And usually you do that by asking for help from someone. And realizing when you're stuck in a corner and when you are at your limitation or realizing that you can learn more. So it was like a huge moment for me hearing it where I was just like, how did he do this? And then I went back and read the wiki and I watched all the interviews. I'm pretty much a Kanye historian, but uh, just like reading about all these artists like John Bryan, who I had no idea who they were back then. 
and just all these people on this record that just like you can do that as a rapper like you don't have to just work with other rappers like just there's more than just Timbaland and Pharrell this is insane so it's just kind of a mind-blowing moment for the whole her whole duration of first hearing it I think I played it back like two or three times yeah yeah and I guess like who do you feel like before this album uh who do you feel like Kanye was in like the zeitgeist in your opinion? So before this record, so for me, he had, by that point, he would already like, he showed his versatility in music videos, uh, in rapping in fashion, obviously. And just with like being working with people that you wouldn't expect. So for me, he was, he was still a trendsetter, but I never would have expected this you know i was just like all right he cares about fashion and he raps well and i just thought that was it but then seeing how hands-on he was it just took it to another level i was just like he's clearly not just your average rapper but i had no idea he could become something just like a renaissance man yeah i i think what i remember about like college dropout uh like friends telling me like oh he's a better producer than he is a rapper Mm -hmm. was sometimes like the criticism like yeah the record's amazing but he's not like, I don't know, let's say like Nas. Yeah. You know, like it's like, do you feel like, did that matter in the conversations for you? Because sometimes I think it's kind of silly. It's like, you know, someone being like, oh, that person's a better singer. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, but you can't do the total package like they yeah. do. So what does it really matter? You know? It definitely mattered all the conversations I had and where I had to like break down just the wittiness and like triple entendres and like just annotate Kanye to people and then they'd find some other reason to write him off. Because he, he is a very good lyricist. Well, he was a very good lyricist. And mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I know that he has a team of writers, some people that he works with to craft craft those lyrics. But the package that he sold in 2003 and 2005, I think is a perfect balance of producer and lyricist. Uh, his, yeah. fe- his features for those first three records, the, like a eight year run of just amazing features like back it up. Yeah. And like who was Kanye West in who, who was he as a producer? Like some of the works that he's worked on, because I'm trying to like fill some of the holes in my yeah. own knowledge about him like early on. Because, yeah, like I said, I want to kind of like keep in mind like an early Kanye. Yeah. So he got pretty big as a producer for doing the, the chipmunk soul sample. Uh, type beats oh, yeah uh, and then he also his i guess his biggest breakout was obviously working with jay-z on blueprint right, that sounds right i think it's blueprint uh, um god that was like 20 years ago but uh <laughs> yeah so but he signed to def jam as a as a, a rockefeller as a producer and he kind of just like got regulated to just making beats and like he's really good at it um but he kind of just didn't get the shine as a lyricist that he wanted um but he made great beats and he kind of just like was working with anyone that he could. Like he worked with Beanie Siegel, he worked with Common, he worked with uh, God, big people from the '90s and I think like John Legend. They kind of came up together. Uh, yeah, yeah. I heard from mm-hmm. John Legend. Yeah, like kind of tying them together was interesting. Yeah, yeah, John Legend's first record, I think Kanye executive produced, or he made a, a good amount of beats on it. Uh, it yeah. came out on his record label, Good Music. But yeah, he made a name for himself making like just really. I think different at the time beats because you had like your dip sets and 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 Eminem's and G Unit and stuff and like that had a very specific either East or West Coast sound and he kind of like showed what Chicago could do in the yeah. late nineties. Yeah, and I yeah because I remember even around that time like there was the conversation I'm remembering was almost like it was like Kanye West and Timbaland mm-hmm. like they were kind of like. And I almost thought at that time, I mean, history hasn't shown me to be correct, but, you know, it was almost like that's who I kind of thought he would be. 
Yeah. You know, you know, almost like that producer for other people. Yeah. But, you know, he became big on his own record. And another thing that I, I saw was that because of the response of College Dropout, a lot of people started kind of like aping his uh, beats and stuff like that and mm-hmm. started kind of doing his sound. So yeah. with working with John Bryan, a lot of the decision was, I don't want to do me again, I guess. Exactly. Because you know, I had already become like a its own thing. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's like night and day. How after, uh, what was the, the, the song? Which, um, slow Jams, Slow Jams. Uh, him and Twisted, and it's like, and then the next year he executive produced Twisted's album and it had a lot of those kind of chipmunky soul things, violin parts. So that's what, yeah, at the time I was expecting just college dropout part two and not this ornate orchestral body of work that he ended up delivering. Yeah. Yeah. I was even looking at some of the samples that are on the record, like even kind of the, so with Wake Up Mr. West and heard him say, it uh, has excerpts of someone that I used to love as performed by Natalie Cole. Mm-hmm. So, and then, you know, Touch the Sky has samples of Move On Up, mm-hmm. you know, as performed by Curtis Mayfield. Yeah. Like, th- throughout the whole record, you know. Yeah. Uh, like, going on and on. You know, Gold Digger has, you know, a track, you know, I Got a Woman as performed by Ray Charles, which yeah. we'll get into more because I think it kind of informs a lot more about his personality later. Yeah. So... Yeah, it definitely was like a seismic shift in like the sound, yeah. um, you know, comparing the two. So, yeah, so I guess we'll kind of get into like the record as it was. So okay. one thing I thought was interesting, um, kind of thinking about how this album uses skits as opposed to what I remember skits being. Mm-hmm. And also, do you feel like skits are like as big of a thing in like rap as it was? Oh no, they died out, and for, and for the <laughs> yeah. best. I'm so glad that yeah. skits are not a thing. I feel like this is almost like the best example. Like this is the best execution, but yeah. I still feel like the skits also kind of like bring it down in a, in a way. But this mm-hmm. is like the best execution. The other execution that I can think of because I feel like it fits the document. Uh, I recently did an episode on the Fugees and the score oh, nice. uses skits. Oh yeah, I love that. Movie. And I feel like in a way that kind of tells the whole picture like a cinematic thing. Mm-hmm. But usually with like Wu Tang or really anything, it's like the skits like take you out of it, and it's really just yeah. You know, it's hard to do a skit well. Definitely, Fugees yeah. does it well. Wyclef John's first solo record, The Carnival, does it well. Uh, Miseducation with Lauren Hill, obviously, skits are great. It's definitely like something. I think that could be used sparingly to good effect, but that weird period in the late nineties, early aughts where everyone just had like five skits in their record for no discernible reason that had no actual like linear thought to them. was kind of lazy. But also I think about, um, in, in the early two thousands and like metal hardcore and whatnot, there were so many like samples. Oh, and, oh yeah. like samples in a way that we're like a movie sample. Not oh, yeah, yeah. In the way that we're talking. So I don't, it's like, what was going on in the consciousness that yeah. made people like, you know, because that's like, I, yeah, definitely don't mean samples in the way that they're done mm-hmm. on this album. Um, so, yeah, just even think, I guess going back to samples as they're used in this record, like, I've, we've all seen samples done in, like, really lazy ways, but that's not what this does in any yeah. stretch of the imagination. There's, like, one Snoop Dogg song uh, where it's just the door song, Riders on the Storm, mm-hmm. and then he kind of just raps over it. Like, yeah. 
Like, that's not what this record is doing. Yeah, that's one other thing I appreciate so much about Kanye is that I don't know if you've ever gone on YouTube and just like typed in a Kanye album and then typed in all samples. And it's just like, how did they create a song from this? Uh, like so many times throughout this record and and really this album, 808s and My Beautiful Dark Distant Fanny, I was like, fantasy. I was like, how did you hear this and create this from that? Like, it really is an art form to be like, yeah, lazy sample, it's just a loop or writing an entire new piece of music from 30 seconds of something you heard. It's really mind blowing on a lot of just his discography when he does things like that. Yeah, and it's also funny to just like people that go around and be like, oh, samples, that's not creating a new thing. When that's anyone that kind of makes like a hard, fast rule of like, this is bad or this is good. Mm -hmm. That's so like, that's so lazy. That's lazy to think. Yeah. yeah, and like, cause even even in what should be a bad example, since we were talking about Fuji's, essentially they cover, they almost like just do covers in a way, but oh, yeah. they make it their own thing. So it's yeah. like you can, I mean, that's that's where it's like, why, you know, have you seen those things? I brought this up on the episodes a lot, where there'll be like uh, Freddie Mercury only had one writer, and Beyonce had like ten, and yeah. then you're like what are you what are you doing yeah it's, it's a know? false equivalency it doesn't those things yeah. are they don't intersect anyway yeah i, I definitely used to be that kid because you know i came up in the hardcore and, and prog rock and i played guitar so i just definitely thought like oh i write my songs you know blah 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 doesn't but it's just not even the same conversation i think what's an interesting conversation too and like i guess indie rock so even like getting outside of <laughs> kanye for a second is I feel like I used to be a person that was like, a record has to have real drums. Ah, like, okay. And I don't even know if I feel that way anymore because yeah. I've seen so many uses of it being done well without real drums. Yeah. And a lot of times people produce their drums to sound so clean and on the grid mm-hmm. that I'm like, why don't you just use fake drums? Yeah. Because <laughs> they sound like fake drums anyways by yeah. the time you're done with it. I've never you know? thought about that. Yeah, that's, that's a discourse that I haven't thought about. But yeah, a drum is a drum to me. I don't, as long as the song sounds good, you know? I, yeah, I've said that to my drummer before, <laughs> and they, they don't, drummers don't like to be told drummers are drummers. Yeah. But I feel like I'm a bass player. Bass players are, I mean, there's a lot of bass player can add. Yeah. But I think there are certain things where it's like a synthesized thing. It's just kind of a different thing. It doesn't yeah. mean like, you know, one's wrong or right but yeah yeah know, drummers are just drummers you know, as long as we're saying it between yeah. ourselves i i don't it it never like seismically changes it i mean i guess if you're talking about prog rock then yeah. that's a different conversation like what you're doing like, with the kit matters versus if what kind of kit you're playing whether it's synthetic or not to me yeah yeah i've definitely like gotten away from that because i've had friends that are like oh i wanted to buy you know, my kid, a, uh, like electronic drum kit, but mm. you know, and I'm like, why would, wouldn't that be like nicer to have them learn on, you know, it feels yeah. like it'd be easier. And also you don't really have to hear it and quieter. Yeah. So, you really put the head, yeah. headphones in and just, yeah. Yeah. And we need more drummers as a whole. We so do. if we can get kids on electronic kits, then yeah. I think this is a good idea. Absolutely. So, yeah. <laughs> so so um, I guess even like thinking about uh, heard him say like it's kind of interesting now seeing like Adam Levine like being featured on it like yeah you know I mean he's huge still to this day but it's like it doesn't with how like smart of an album this feels like it's just 
you know, and maybe I'm look. Am I looking at it wrong? Like, was is Adam Levine like? Was he something different in 2005 that was like someone you wanted on your record? I would say absolutely. It probably was. Absolutely, yeah. I actually really <laughs> loved that first um, Maroon Five record when it came out. Like, oh, okay, I was, so that's was, my blind spot. Though. Yeah, it was like it was just everywhere, and they were like before they went full on pop. It was like, ah, oh, this is such a I've never heard this kind of music before. Blah blah blah. <laughs> And like, he was just like an artisan of his craft when they were still like a rock-ish band. And like, for him to, I remember everyone was like, Adam Levine from Rune 5 on this song? Why? And then like, I heard the song, I was like, oh, this is one of the most beautiful songs I've ever heard in my life. It's yeah, just Yeah, I mean, good. it's great. Like, you know, it's like, I'm not going to say he's not like a talented person and like everything he does on the track, like, you know, completely fits. Like in yeah. a way that it's almost like, I mean, I could do it easily, but it's like, he fits in so well, it's kind of almost hard to pick him out in a sense. Like, yeah. he feels like he exists on the track. Yeah, I think yeah. that's also another, like, Kanye's strong suit is that he gets all these larger black people and gets them, not, like, to toe the line, but, like, he gets them to be the, the they're the least interesting part of the song, if that makes sense. Like, Adam yeah. Levine, you're like, oh, okay, was he going to have his own verse? And, like, he does the most minimal thing, and it's the part that's stuck in your head all day. Yeah. Yeah, and... Yeah, like actually, that's a good point about uh, kind of everyone who's featured on it. I don't feel like there's a point on the record where I feel like anyone kind of like takes the album from. Exactly. Yeah, you know, like there, yeah. yeah, there are like guest <laughs> spots on records where you're like, that's that's that person's track now. Yeah, yeah, but it's like back then, especially when you had this rap or rock divide. Seeing Kanye work with Coldplay, seeing Kanye work with Fall Out Boy, seeing Kanye work with all these like white rock bands. And then just being like, this actually makes perfect sense. And then the next question is, how did no one ever think of this? And it's just like, that was just so mind-blowing back in the back in the day. God, I sound old. But back in the no, day it, when those two makes, things were separated, yeah. you know? Yeah, it makes sense. And that's where, you know, since I'm even older than, you know, well, I said it back, I feel like I'm even older than you. Yeah. Uh, but, but like there was really a divide and I've said that so much on here. And I wonder if like, if someone is like 25 or younger, I sound like 87 years old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's like, but there was a huge divide. Like, I don't think it's that strange to think about like different types of artists working together. Or even yeah. like you see so much stuff with like post Malone and like, Oh, he's playing a guitar now. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, you know, like it's like, and I, but I think about like back in the day when it was like, I don't know, like Little Wayne with a guitar and he's yeah. not really playing. It was almost like a prop yeah. in a sense, you know? Yeah. But like it's so like interwoven now uh, for the better. And mm -hmm. Kanye really was like pretty early on that trip. Yeah. Like getting, he yeah. literally, he had um, Bon Iver on a song with Chief Keith, you know? Uh, he had, I don't know um what else did he do he was having like kid cuddy on a song or sorry vic mince on a song with scissor uh not scissor what's her name sia and it's just like how do you even think of these collapse like these things shouldn't intersect and then it like perfect uh yeah especially on this record he has that song was it drive slow uh paul wall and glc yeah. and glc is good like he's like another chicago rapper he's from um the go-getters and it's just like, how did you get GLC and Paul Wall, who's from like Houston, Texas, on the same song? Like Chicago and Tex and Houston are just drastically different soundscapes in hip hop, but this song sounds perfect. You know, like all those moments where you're just like, why does this work? And how did I never know that I wanted this? Yeah, like 
thinking of Paul Wall on a track like feels like it would be a completely different track. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Especially like for me, like Paul Wall was like, I don't know. So BET Uncut, do you know what that is? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So if you you stay up till 3 a.m., watch all the ass shaking videos, it'd be Paul Wall, Mike Will, or uh, Mike Jones, uh, and all these yeah, like, yeah, you totally. know, all these like tip drill type songs. I was like, what what does Paul Wall have to say consciously? And I was like, oh, wow, that was a really fucking good verse. Now I want to listen to more Paul Wall. Now I want to see like, does he work with other people like this all the time or like to have that? And then the next song is a song with Common. It's just like just the range. I know it's like a meme to say like, yeah. oh, but the range. Kanye literally to me invented range in this in this genre and music. And it's just, I'm so appreciative to just have been there when it came out and been like, yeah. Cause now I explain to my little brother who really got in Kanye around the life of Pablo, his six record. I'm like, you just don't even understand. Like you had to be there when Gold Digger dropped. You had to be there when when uh, Diamonds from Sierra Leone dropped, like when the video dropped and he had three multiple music videos for one song. Like, it's just, it was unheard of. But now my little brother who's 22, 23, he's just like, that doesn't sound impressive to me. You know, it's the Seinfeld effect where it's like, yeah, that happened already. Like everyone does that now. And it's just so hard to explain like how monumental everything about this was. Yeah, I feel like there was, the conversation with hip hop, because they mention it in this little documentary I watched, uh, where even Kanye is saying that hip hop to a point had kind of like purposefully been like simple, you yeah. know, like keep the drum beat and kind of rap over it. And the yeah. orchestration is just to serve the drum beat. Yeah. And I mean, that's what I love about hip hop. Mm-hmm. But I think that's an interesting conversation of like, so then he was kind of thinking of Fiona Apple and like Portishead and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Like, how can we keep that idea of like serving the beat, but kind of adding these things that don't detract from it, but just make it more is more. Yeah. In such an interesting way, because I don't feel like that was a lot of the conversation with hip hop at that that point. You know, Definitely it's not. not to say that other people hadn't kind of played around in that field. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, it's like you kind of stayed in that. Kind of everyone stayed in their prescribed lanes yeah you know there's this song he has i want to say it's gone consequence and camera and like everyone does their verses they rap whatever and then like just the drums just go out and it's just the strings and they kind of cushion those back into this part and i'm just like i don't think i've heard a bridge like this in a rap song before that was insane i kind of just had to like think about it for a second and it's like yeah he really like made me think of rap as something that you can structure where you can then that's had to be verse course verse bridge of course you know yeah i i also think about kind of the history of kind of using let's say rock artist in rap you know because like we said adam levine Mm -hmm. but i think about kind of the history of the the kind of commingling with it like even like ron dmc aerosmith it's like Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know it's kind of like it carts it out and then it also feels like it's a almost like a spectacle and then you think about like anthrax with public enemy like it's like you know, it's like a handshaking, but it's going to be one or the other. Yeah, or Jay-Z point. with Linkin Park. It was like, that was really cool. Yeah. It bridged the gap, but it wasn't like the next step, you know? Yeah, it's it definitely like people had tried, but it's it's like it always didn't feel like completely cohesive. Yeah, yeah. Like Kanye definitely like guitar solos and, and rap music. And like, again, would be like Adam Levine or Bon Iver or like all these artists you wouldn't expect. And it's just like, oh, yeah, they wrote a song instead of just made a rap song, you know? So I guess we've been teasing that we're going to do this. And the part, it's like, I think about the criticism because 
I hear people being like, where did Kanye change? Yeah. You know, like where did his view on things kind of change? Yeah. And what was interesting kind of view, listening to this record, thinking about who he's shown to be. Actually, that's that's a conversation I, I think I, I want to have to first. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like Kanye actually believes some of the stuff he says publicly or if it's almost like a wrestling heel kind of thing? Because oh, I've had it. people straight up, I've heard, I've had friends tell me that they don't think he believes it. It's like a marketing thing. Oh no, he definitely believes it. Um, Kanye's been showing his ass since day one. Um, there's the whole thing about how college dropout didn't win a Grammy, and he just uh, was very notably upset, to put it nicely. And then this record won the Grammy, and his speech was literally there. Everyone was talking about what, what I would do if I didn't win. I guess we'll never know. That was it whole speech yeah so he's since day one he's been he's been arrogant he's been putting his foot in his mouth he's been talking about things he doesn't know and it's just as you get bigger and bigger and you also make more money and surrounded by more, by more yes men and you have a healthy dose of bipolar disorder and going on and off your meds uh you, you just kind of get a little more out there uh he's been going through it the last few years i sound like such a fucking stan i'm sorry but um he definitely i mean it's a hard thing to talk about and i think that the way sometimes that i mean i and i guess collective we talk Mm. about mental illness is really complicated and shitty yeah you know so it's like i do almost i want to like when i knew that a lot of the way he acts is bipolar disorder like Mm. it's like you do want to kind of give him license yeah like he's still like the biggest artist in the world so yeah. it might sound silly to people like oh give him a break yeah and that's not the conversation but it's like bipolar is really tough thing yeah. to kind of talk about and i don't want to like criticize him on that level because i yeah. had i've seen people kind of attack him on that level and i think mm. there's like so much more you could say yeah it's about more who he nuanced. is a person without yeah get it exactly so like but what was interesting though is basically this record starts off, you know, heard him say mm. where he says like government uh, created AIDS, you know, and oh, it's yeah. like it it essentially starts from the top with like, well, I guess, you know, uh, yeah. well, the government's response to yeah AIDS. Uh, yeah. So it's a complicated thing, but it sort of like plants that seed of like kind of conspiracy yeah. that you feel like him do. Yeah. I think there is a huge conversation obviously to be had with like, you know, Ronald Reagan's response to AIDS as a culture. And I think that's a lot of times what, when people say that in rap songs, they're truly meaning. Yeah. I think. I, yeah. wait, what line? I'm wage. Oh, and I know the government administered AIDS, so I guess you just play like the minister say. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, also, Kanye is a 47-year-old man, so he has a lot of hotep opinions, uh, which if you know what a hotep is. Uh, okay, a hotep is a, is a militant, straight black man who thinks that, straight black men are at the epicenter of all oppression so they don't really care about gay trans non-binary people they certainly don't care about women and especially black women they just think that the black man is being emasculated is being um just more discriminated than everyone else because you know straight men just like to think that they are the most oppressed group so a hotep is like you know you hear about all these crazy things kanye says about like his pro-life views and his, you know, I was put in a mental institution. And he's like, you're still have the privilege of being a straight man. So Hoteps think that everything is conspiracy to take down the black man. So they do believe 
that the government created AIDS, or at the very least that they have the cure, but they're just not giving it to us. Um, uh, Andre 3000 has a very famous jumpsuit that he wears. So it's like, no, really, but give us the cure. Uh, and hoteps just think that everything is a conspiracy to keep them down. Uh, when you see people talk about the Illuminati and rap, that's a hotep uh, conspiracy theory. Or like, or when you hear about like Dave Chappelle talking about like, oh, all these black comedians had to wear a dress to make it. Hotep bullshit. Dave Chappelle is a prime example of a hotep where he now all he talks about is how he's being oppressed from the choices that he made. So Kanye believes these things. He especially like got Common, uh, Talib Kweli, all these predominant. It's just a problem in conscious rap where to be a conscious rapper, there, there's some hotep things. Even Kendrick Lamar's new record talked about Dr. Sebi and all of these like not believing COVID until he got it. That, so that's what the hotep mentality is, that everything, trust no one, only other black men, which is just an echo chamber of misinformation. So it's like kind of almost an alt-right type thing. But yeah, when Kanye is saying stuff like this, even back then I was just like, okay, that's a bit much. The government's administering AIDS. They're not, but it's kind of hard to have this conversation with straight black men about hotep conspiracy theories and the Illuminati and, and men being feminized and transgenders taking over. And it's just this weird thing that's been prevalent in the black community for a long time. Since I was a kid, I had all these uncles that were just like, you know, uh, vaccine, anti-vax, anti-trans, anti-gay, anti-anything that didn't benefit them. And it's this weird thing yeah. that Kanye has shown over and over again that he's always believed that. But if you don't know what a hotep is and you're not too keen on to like black cultures and like the mistrust of big pharma and the mistrust of the government, which is rightfully earned, it's kind of like, how do you explain that to someone in like a five minute conversation without selling, you know? Yeah, I think I, it's like, I'm familiar with all the concepts. I don't know mm -hmm. if I've heard, I never heard that term hotep though. Yeah. Um, and also it's, Okay, so it's it feels complicated for me. So when I hear that, uh, let's say Kanye West or people like him are anti-vax, mm -hmm. then I'm like, you do have a lot to point to that would lead to your mistrust. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And then like you know, but when I see like white people being anti-vax, I'm like, yeah, like, what do, on, what do you even have against like you know? But I'm like you know like tuskegee experiments and exactly. eugenics like yeah. definitely like i'm like i eh, can't blame you yeah. you know almost like in a sense like and i think it's a it's a it's i it's hard for me to have the conversation because it's like there's so much history that points that there is like an inkling of the past that showed that it was real yeah so i feel like when you look at like an well now he's 47 yeah you know when you look at older black men i'm like i can't tell you how to think because you got a lot to point at that yeah. shows you that you're oh you're it's potentially it's, a tiny modicum was true at some yeah point. it's a hard conversation yeah. to have like with my family when covid happened and we went down to florida my uncle passed and just like trying to talk to my cousins about getting the vaccine and just like like talking to a brick wall man it's uh it's so odd now that we're in this like we can all agree that black people are getting opportunities that my dad didn't know were possible. And then to still just be like, yo, COVID is killing people. Your friend at work died. Maybe you should get the vaccine and have them still just steal off and be like, no, I don't trust it. It's or like Nicki Minaj tweeting about her cousin taking the vaccine and his balls swelled up and he was in, and he was infertile. And it's just like, yeah. it's so, it, it's so hard to talk about these things 
and with rap being as popular as it is, but also as highly criticized and put on this pedestal that it is because it is by black people and for black people. It's like, how do you have these conversations? And Kanye, that's why I always want to talk about Kanye because it's like, yeah, I can, he can be my idol and I can still tell you he's a fucking dickhead. And that, that doesn't, none of those things have to like negate the other. And it's always just like, especially being in a rock influence. And people learn that I don't know a single fucking American football song, but I know every single Kanye song. You can see the light bulbs kind of just like flicker in their head of being like just prime confusion. And it's like, why would you like Kanye? And I had to explain again to, to white people in the emo indie rock guitar world scene, what he has done for the culture, for their culture that they don't even know about. And it's yeah. just so odd. But sorry, the, the, the point was that- No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that Kanye fakes it. No, he, I definitely, he believes these things. Um, just by virtue of who he comes up with, like Dave Chappelle says the same shit. Common says the same shit. Talib Kweli says the same shit. Kendrick Lamar says the same shit. Chance the Rapper says the same shit. It's just the thing indicative of being a straight male who happens to be black that you tend to have your own conspiracy theories that you follow like Dr. Umar Johnson or Dr. Sebi or Louis Farrakhan that they start off wanting black liberation and then they kind of shrink, sliver in their little like snake oil bullshit yeah like i mean you've seen it like during covid or yeah actually shit throughout his whole career like you know ice cube saying things that are like clearly <laughs> anti-semitic you know yeah there's even stuff on like the fuji's record where i'm like this didn't hold up that way Not at but all. I, it's yeah. like they were trying to have a different conversation with like one of the tracks or like one of the skits on it yeah and i feel like it was like i think that might have weirdly enough been slightly progressive for the time but in yeah. 2022 standards not great you know yeah. and it's like it's it's interesting that concept if when you're someone like dave Chappelle, and he says this in like one of his recent uh stand-up specials where it's kind of like the idea of it coming out of the mouth of someone like dave Chappelle feeling like maybe i i guess he's not feeling like he got held back or maybe he gets held back at the expense of other people is is an interesting thing coming out of someone like kanye or Dave Chappelle yeah you know like the foresight to be like you've been given you know they've worked their asses off yeah like to be like trans people sometimes I feel like the conversation and he says this in a special where it's like kind of feeling like trans people are getting things that black people should have had years before yeah oh yeah I I watched that special in my that's like a few specials back yeah yeah my first thought was like I don't it's when you it's when you see people talking about like oh why should student uh why we why should we forgive student loans I had to pay mine exactly. but it's not about you anymore and yeah. that's what like and people it's... like Kanye Dave like lose over time and they did have the privilege of making it God Dave made it like twenty five Kanye made it like twenty four and it's like okay like yes you've suffered but you are now reaching that point where you're about to be half of your life plus having not had to suffer or ask for anything. And you have to acknowledge that you do get a certain point of privilege, especially when you become a fucking billionaire, whether you're black yeah. or not, that you now have a certain point of privilege and you've been doted on hand and foot for almost two straight decades. And it's a weird conversation to have, especially with Kanye, about Kanye, because it's like he clearly has the desire to make great, um, challenging music, but now his subject matter is just... It's just a savior complex, uh, fucking mixed with, like... Uh, no one believed in me, but it's like you're a billionaire. I think some people believe in you, bro. And yeah, it's so and they believed on him. They believed in him like pretty early on. I mean, yeah. You know? But you know, so it's it's interesting, you know, like 
there was a thing and uh like he made a speech basically touch the sky didn't get like an award <sighs> so he tells somebody like yeah. we spent a million dollars on it i remember this this yeah. tirade but yeah 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 and it's just <laughs> i get it i have that feeling sometimes as an artist where i'm just like i wrote the hardest bars on my record i went 110 percent, and this fucking asshole writing about their ex again is doing sold out oh, yeah. tours when yeah. i should i get it but i'm not gonna like I'm going to go harder on the next thing I write now. You know, they're like, that's the mentality I have. Like, that's why American, great American novel is such a step up for us. I'm just like, damn, maybe I should have like, what can I improve? Instead of like, why wasn't I given my just due? Which is what a lot of Hotep mentality is, especially for people like Kanye. And it's just like, he had this interview with the Breakfast Club, I think, right after, maybe right, right after Yeezus, which is his fifth record. And he was just like, uh, I have all these ideas. I want to get into fashion before the shoes got really popular. I want to get into fashion. Yeah. I want to get into into uh, into design work like architecture. And he's like, who's going to be my Medici family? Like the Medici families who um, sponsored Leonardo, Leonardo da Vinci, I think. And he's like, who's going to be my Medici family? Who's going to fund my work so I can push us to the next zeitgeist and just let me create? I was like, bro, fund it your fucking self. Yeah, you can do a, a ten day tour and make a hundred million dollars. Yeah, what do yeah, you, that that what is a weird concept coming out for? of him. Yeah, yeah, and this was like so after Jesus, after five back to back number ones, five Grammy nominated records, and you're like, I'm being held back still. It's just like, and then that's what he's been rapping about for the last five records about how he, no one believed him in fashion. Now he's a billionaire. No one believed he could change. I don't know music videos, and no one believed he could. He could be a billionaire and then he's like all oh, you people that didn't believe in me it's like kanye it's not the same when you're a millionaire and people don't believe in you you can still just do something when you're yeah. like us and you have you know the average american has like two grand in their bank account if they're lucky you can't you can't just be like well i'll just make something else and be fine like if you don't have that benefactor or if you don't have that cloud or whatever you're just not going to do it and kanye is just so far up his own ass that he can't see he just can't be i don't know i get the no, it's interesting people. because like there's so much on this record like one of the skits toward the end i can't remember which one but it's like the one where um it's like they're talking in the house and then it's like oh you got new shoes oh yeah, you know? yeah. and then it's like <laughs> but these are conversations on this record that feel more honest because, yeah it's like it feels like not that many years have probably passed the point that you know he didn't have things so yeah yeah you know but we're looking almost i mean if you say almost 20 years past it mm -hmm. you know uh 18 years past yeah. it you know i'm bad at math but you know like it's so it's it's an interesting conversation that i feel like i'll give him license here yeah um and kind of back to something you said earlier i think that the conversation that i feel like i'll say that a lot of white people have around uh art versus the artist mm -hmm. is that by just criticizing you know, it's like I can criticize something that I love. Yeah. And that's what we should do more. Like we can love a thing and still feel like the person behind it is faulty. Yeah. You know, it's like when people tell you like, oh, well, maybe Mark Twain was, you know, I wish I had a better example, was like a racist or, you know, yeah. whatever it might be. Yeah. Like maybe we shouldn't use those words in books anymore. Like, yeah, yeah. we know that in 2022 and yeah. we should teach it that way and we should tell the stories that way. Things like, yeah. you know, Kanye West is a complicated person, but this is 
a fire ass record. Yeah, yeah. and it, and it's yeah. obviously steeped in like a minor bit of racism. Um, all the criticisms that are lo- you just thrown at Kanye. And you know how many people oh, I've yeah. seen melt down when I've reminded them that their idol David Bowie literally fucked teenagers. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just like there's clearly a double standard, and I know why. But then they're like, I'm not yeah. racist. So it's just like he's just so arrogant. It's like that's a part of the culture. I don't have to tell you. What do you? But what's it's also like I kind I wish that people talked about it like that more about things like David Bowie because it doesn't change that David Bowie was good. It doesn't er, at all musically. You yeah. know, it doesn't change that like really i could just say a band's name and like led zeppelin like i know that they like had like 14 year olds at Mm -hmm. their whim you know and it's like it's like we should be having those conversations you know and it's like whether or not we have to become like prisons about it yeah you know it's like a different thing but it's like to actually have the conversation and say hey this is fucked up and we we know not to act that way or they should have known not to act that way exactly i don't think throws out i don't think it makes david bowie disappear and that's what people act like it's they're like shh don't say anything (laughs) yeah i want us to listen to david bowie listen to fucking david bowie if you want you know know, it's just weird the false like equivalence is like all the people i've known they're like oh i stopped listening to kanye west after taylor swift incident but then they listen to david bowie or they listen to yeah led zeppelin or they listen to all these actual problematic violently problematic people and it's just yeah, like, like how are you gonna yeah then, yeah it's like how are you convince me how are you going to convince me that that's not based on racism even slightly it's totally based on racism and it's just yeah. like it's a it's a conversation that i've actually just stopped having because i i value some friendships that i'm just like you know what it's fine i you don't like kanye but the second you start talking about like his arrogance as the reason i listen to him but then you have all these like johnny cash and uh i don't know whatever posters and sign things on your wall it's like there's got to be a way to have these conversations where you can acknowledge that kanye literally shifted the face of music in general mm-hmm. and not scoff at me for saying that because that is a fact it is a certifiable googleable fact of music cinema fashion kanye shifted it yeah all. i mean this is a quadruple platinum record exactly like, and, and it didn't take i don't believe it took that long to become one no not like at sometimes all. yeah because i couldn't yeah usually there's like a thing that says oh this was certified platinum in you know 2012 like yeah. years after a record comes out yeah but it was basically almost like came out and within the year or sometime yeah. it was quadruple platinum. everywhere and it's like yeah. to do that obviously like i was saying to expand upon the first record but i think this album only came out a little over a year after the first record yeah, we talk about sophomore guess, slump yeah. and how hard it is to recreate the magic lightning in the bottle and to do that and to do it so insanely quickly it's like it, you have to admit it's on another level and then the music videos are insane his fashion is insane the, the stage design on the tours are insane like it's you cannot it's just hard uh, i'm gonna spiral out about it yeah, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. in the same breath i'm like yeah he's a complete dickhead and though I would love to write for him one day, I would be like, I'm going to work for him and he's going to be an asshole and I'm not going to try and be friends with this man. Because I would, I know that I would be disappointed by him as a person. If I were to be fortunate enough to get in the room with him, I'm not going to be like, hey man, I love your shit. And then be like, whoa, you're a dickhead? I'm going to cry. Like, it's just not, <laughs> I'm not setting yeah, myself yeah. up for that failure, you know? Yeah, I th- kind of, I guess, digging into it a little bit more. Like when I hear people, when I see the things, like you said, you know, kind of like, oh, I don't want like another man raising my baby and, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of stuff he'll say, you know, kind of 
a lot of men's rights activist kind of stuff that oh, definitely yeah. he's like spouted like without question. Mm-hmm. A, lot, a lot of that's you know present in like Gold Digger. Oh know? yeah, like there's so much of it. You know about it's like, a very dated song. Yeah, and yeah. then even like on the Wee Major, it's like the mm-hmm. idea of like. You know, like, oh, I hope I don't have a girl because, you know. Yeah. And, you know, but but like you were saying, though, that doesn't mean that those conversations are 100% happening wrong. Yeah. Like those double standard conversations. So yeah. I don't want to point them, out in the, point them out in a way that's saying they don't exist or I'm surprised by yeah. it. But I'm also surprised that in a way from kind of looking back at this record, um, it's kind of been there from the get-go yeah it wasn't them, veiled you know? it wasn't like uh it wasn't a 180 turn it's just like kanye's been this way consistently uh it's, i'm not happy about that i wish he would you know take about 30 percent off and chill the fuck out sometimes but it's been since the jump uh he's been interrupting awards since literally his first record like he's been on one for 20 years nearly and <laughs> for anyone to act surprised has they're just showing that they haven't been paying attention maybe willfully so yeah yeah i mean there's so many like features on this record too i think we mentioned it you know with jamie fox mm-hmm. uh lupe fiasco yeah uh, common like we talked about the game yeah consequence uh, cameron yeah and you know then just with uh yeah i mean there's so much yeah like it's it's wild with that but kind of like as we go forward i'm kind of how do you feel like kanye west uh influences your songwriting and proper do you feel like it's like a conscious thing oh absolutely i um i mean all of our album covers alone are just like copying my beautiful dark twisted fantasy so (laughs) from like a standpoint of like this record needs to be an event is where i mainly uh get that influence so we we're a very fashionable band fashionable band and it is 100 because of kanye our album covers are so stylish because of Kanye. And then as an actual writer, because um, I heard of Kanye way before I heard him say anything. So my first instance of like, this didn't follow a normal song structure was Kanye. And so it's always been like, while well, the most easy comparison to make for us would be the Wonder Years or Say Anything, it's always been Kanye. Um, and just like, especially in our second record, writing really rap type bars that are funny intentionally so and goofy intentionally so as kanye has so many like zingy one-liners that only work because kanye says them you know yeah um it's like what's this one he has it's like even though i went to college and dropped out of school quick i always had a phd a pretty huge dick and it's like if anyone else said that it would be lame but kanye just has that confidence so for me as a writer it's just like being able to write shit like, and our last record is this line, what do you call a guy who expects to get, but doesn't get head? You don't. And for me to have that kind of confidence, I feel like it's something Kanye would write. And for, it's all about elevating a normal line and just singing it so confidently or doing a, a guitar break so confidently that's not that you wouldn't expect to be there, especially on this new record leading to the prog records. Like, uh, I always say that Kanye is like a prog rock rapper. Like he's just, he's just prog. He just does it. Um, for me, just following his blueprint and just being like, I can do whatever I want. Like, why not yeah. rap on this song? Who says I can't? Like as my earliest influence of breaking the rules 
and people being like that though I don't think that would work and then be like I told you so so I definitely have that level of like I believe in myself let's put it that way I'm very confident in my abilities and it's because of people like Kanye being unafraid to say how they feel and how they think I uh I rub people the wrong way a lot and it is because I have that Kanye type of confidence where I just I just feel it uh Donald Glover Charles Gambino has this interview from because the internet era where he's talking about how he's the son of Kanye and to me I feel like through Donald Glover and Kanye I'm the grandson of Kanye so Donald Glover's not a big influence for me and I feel like having that confidence when no one believes that you can make this song what you envision is just so important so I think a lot of people choose to make the safer song like especially being in bands you have to write the radio single when you get on a label and it's like all these trials by fire and all these cooks in the kitchen telling you how you should get towards the end product and just be like, no, this is it. This is what I'm creating. You take it or you don't. And it's going to be your loss if you don't. It was the, like my biggest Kanye type influence. Yeah. And do you feel like it, did it kind of like take you something to like get to that confidence or like one thing I'm thinking, I feel like there's a lot of conversations about, or maybe I'm putting myself into this. I feel like when the pandemic hit, it mm-hmm. was like, I'm going to kind of just make the music I want to, mm-hmm. you know, whether or not people have heard it yet or whatever will. Yeah. But it's like, we really do, nothing really matters after kind of like the past two years. Like, yeah. No, be no, no. the person you want to be without like anyone telling you what's like cool. Yeah. Like, we should be like post cool. Yeah. Know? Yeah, like, absolutely. Like just do whatever. So, so I like that about proper's music just the idea of you know kind of like who's to say you can't is something that we i mean this kanye west record came out in 2005 yeah you know like we should be past the point of like what something has to be like is this emo yeah you know is this that that's it seems like such a silly question yeah yeah it's um yeah i think i always knew that that this record we wanted to not just be standard emo fair. Not that our last record was like by the book, because we definitely, you know, we go into Dancing Queen at the end of one song. I rap at the end of one song and it's like a dancey song. But this time I was like, let's just really, for one, in lockdown, I actually practiced my instrument, which I notoriously do not do. So I, like, I had the confidence and I was just like, okay, my writing is there. Let's get the guitar work there. So definitely listening to a lot of Kanye in lockdown, practicing my instrument a lot in lockdown. And then I bought uh, uh, Interface to record. And it really just like, I was like, you know what? What else is there to do? Let, let me just like go for it. And I think a lot of that has to do with like listening to Kanye records and being like, I cannot believe he just did that in this. Yeah. Song. And so, well, like you said, uh, you just got off of a tour. What, mm-hmm. who were you on tour with? Uh, just to remind me. Um, so coming back from like lockdown in November, we were with Home Is Where and Glass Beach. And then okay. December, it was us, Future Teens, Pronoun and Wonder Years. And then we just did our headlining tour in the UK and Europe last month. Um, it was supposed to be from 2020. So it's literally like a leftover tour from the yesteryears. And we finally just did it. And it was, yeah, two weeks in the UK, three weeks in Europe. Yeah. And so, uh, so I guess y'all toured europe and no one got covid no no all good wow yeah i have never had covid knock on wood hopefully i never will um yeah we also we wore our masks everywhere 
even like when the other bands or show promoters were like, oh yeah, here's my negative test. We'd be like, mask still back on. So we just were safe to a fault sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's with every tour that I feel like I see bands just like are starting to like cancel Europe and everything to like yeah. see come back from that. That's that's astounding in a way. Thank so, you. Yeah, we, I guess keep doing. Yeah, that way we just could not yeah. be stranded in in Europe and not make money. So we were just like, we're gonna be super super safe. And luckily, our tour party was only four people, so we don't have that big of a team just yet. Oh, okay. And. Uh, so the newest record that y'all put out, that's a uh, great American novel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It came out and, yeah. March. Yeah. And that's on father daughter records. And yeah. And big scary monster records. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then in 2019, uh, I spent the winter writing songs about getting better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you feel like, uh, what do you feel like the shift was really in your thinking from that album into the newest one? Um, this will shock people to hear, but I'm not really an emo guy. I, uh, I'm a poser, man. I heard just, at, I was at the right place at the right time where, um, God, hotel year, modern baseball and time moving parts all put out a record and I, in like the same year. And I just happened to hear them all. And I was just like, wow, I really like this, but I'm a prog rock kid at heart. So I kind of just ended my emo phase and I was just like, let's get back to my actual roots. Yeah. Yeah. So do you feel like as like if you're thinking, I know you just put out a record, so mm. I, I hate the question of kind of what is next. But mm. then now, you know what the question might be. Yeah. So I, but <laughs> what I'm thinking about it then is like, how do you feel like that kind of notion of what you've changed into this most recent record might inform your next material going forward? Like or even con- going back to Kanye as we kind of wrap up. Actually, so I've never actually told anyone this. Proper's whole trajectory, I'm copying off of Kanye. So we put out our first record, it's good. Our second record, we kind of expanded upon those ideas. And then Kanye's third record is Graduation, which took a like drastic left turn to like arena rock. So like Great American Album is our graduation. And I actually have the next three proper records thought out as far as concept and sound. So I'll just say that we're gonna, I'm gonna just keep trying to copy a Kanye-like trajectory and hopefully it works, but that, that's yeah. all, that's all I'm going to say since, you know, this record's only been out for two months, so I can't even like, <laughs> I know how that is. Yeah. yeah. But you know, we wrote it a year ago and like November, 2020. So it's like, to me, like I'm ready to get on to the next one, but it's like the album's like us to play out. We have to be patient, shoot another video or two, do some, some more tours, but I'm very, I'm very ready to get onto the next one, especially after seeing how well received American novel has been. Yeah. Well, I super appreciate you taking the time to talk to me, and yeah, it makes me, it makes me uh, want to like go revisit things like Jesus is King. Should I? No, no, fuck that record. Okay. Um, <laughs> Do you think you'll ever get to your Jesus is King? I hope not. I uh, <laughs> one of the, the one of my like plus sides to loving lore and mythology is like I really do have the next three albums like plots figured out so I'd like to think by the time I get to album six for proper we'll have the next three figured out so as long as I can just keep planning and not pull a Kanye where I just start slapping shit together in a week and like literally recording on an iPhone the day before the album drops I think I'll be fine as long as you know who knows who knows what yes men will come into my life and just throw me off my course but i i this has been really fun by the way i appreciate you having me on here but hopefully not jesus is king is uh hopefully a small blip in the kanye radar
Welcome back. Thanks again to Eric for coming on the pod. Check out the new proper album, Great American Novel, out now on Father Daughter Records. Okay, next time on the pod, we have Greg Bennick of the band Trial. We talk about Iron Maiden's 1986 album, Somewhere in Time. So please tune in next week. Once again, check out our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash spinningoutpod. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at spinningoutpod. Lastly, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you do that sort of thing. Reviews definitely help. Thanks as always to Sarah Blumenthal for editing the pod and Pretty Maddie for the theme. Okay, see you next week.